Well, they have half of it memorized. You ready, guys? Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. All right, and the remainder of the passage. This is how we know we're living steadily and deeply in him and he in us. He's given us life from his life, from his very own spirit. Also, we've seen for ourselves and continue to state openly that the Father sent his Son as Savior of the world. Everyone who confesses that Jesus is God's Son participates continuously in an intimate relationship with God. We know it so well, we've embraced it heart and soul, this love that comes from God. God is love. When we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God and God lives in us. This way, love has the run of the house, becomes at home and mature in us, so that we're free of worry on Judgment Day. Our standing in the world is identical with Christ's. There is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. Since fear is crippling, a fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment, is not one yet fully formed in love. We, though, are going to love, love and be loved. First we were loved, now we love. He loved us first. If anyone boasts, I love God, and goes on right on hating his brother or sister, thinking nothing of it, he is a liar. If he won't love the person he can see, how can he love the God he can't see? The command we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God includes loving people. You've got to love both. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And thank you, Dykeis fam. Love hearing the boys reciting the passage. Friends, let's pray together. God of love, open us to receive you and your love. Open me this morning, God, to receive your love. Use these uh, incomplete and imperfect words and thoughts and ideas for your sake, God. In Christ's name, amen. Friends, uh, we've been going through 1 John in this Eastertide season and have been hearing so much about love. Uh, and this is, this is really it. This, this is what this is all about, God's love. This is what uh, our worship is about. This is what our following Jesus is about. This is what our service is about. This is what our pursuit of justice is about. It's about love. So much so that John says God is love. And one of the things that just struck me and it has struck me in this work of reading through and exploring first John is, is that when we choose to participate in this way of love, it's really, it's really gotta be all people all the time. 
when we follow God's way, when we step into God's way of love, it's love for everyone at every moment. And that's hard. I, I, I feel the challenge of that. I feel the challenge of, you know, taking up residency in the life of love, like living in God in this love and then having God live in us in love. Uh, that is a no small thing. And I feel it. Uh, and I feel the goodness of it. I feel the challenge of it. I feel the goodness of it. Uh, you know, I, I feel the goodness of John saying here, like God has given God's life, life from the life of God to be in us, to help us love. Because the reality is we need that divine presence. We need the power of God's spirit in us to nurture God's love and to equip us to actually love anyone else. Uh, because it's hard in the deepest way, love is hard. But one thing that we can't deny is that uh, love is not optional. If you follow, if you follow God, if you are saying yes to God, uh, it's not a choice to say no. I'm just not going to love. Like that's not, it's not really on the table. We wrestle with it. We struggle with it. We say we don't want to, but, uh, but if we say like I won't, I don't want to have anything to do with love, then we're saying we don't want to have anything to do with God. Because God's love is a big, big deal. It's such a big deal that all, all of our love comes from it. Uh, and we base our practice of love in our world on God's love. And, and we, you know, we see, we see what God's love looks like in Jesus in this very clear, beautiful way. And so by the love of Jesus, uh, I think Christians are invited to calibrate our own love. Like, what does our love look like? How do we know when we are loving? What, how do we actually do this? We can look at Jesus and say, how, how did God express love in Christ? And we see that in Jesus, God's love is always and without exception for others. God's love is centered on others. Now, before we get like deep into the weeds, because we can get in the weeds of like what love looks like, I think that we have to reckon, like personally, we have to reckon with the reality that God's love is for us too, that we are an other to God. You are an other to God who is loved, whose God's love is centered on you. You know, John, John says in this passage that God loves first. And from that is born all of our love that you, you right now are the, the object of the relentless and total love of God. We have this really unique opportunity with Zoom that maybe we don't actually have when we meet in person. And that is that we all have a video camera pointed at us right now. So we have the possibility of seeing ourselves like in real time. And so I, I wanna invite you, we're gonna just kind of lean into this Zoom thing. I'm gonna invite you to look at, um, look at your video of you, to focus on it. Look closely. I know it's awkward, it feels a little weird, but look at yourself. Notice yourself. See all of you. You know, only you know the full story behind that person. Friends, this is the person who God loves. 
fully, wholly. Notice your scars, notice your quirks. Maybe you don't like your hair. Maybe you see bags under your eyes. Maybe you see excitement behind those eyes. Maybe there's big things on the horizon for you. Maybe you see your sadness or your sorrow. Whatever it is that you see in you, God loves you. And it includes whatever you're seeing. God, God's love for, for people is so complete that it, it actually serves to heal us. God could have chosen any other way to work with people, to form us, to help us be more loving, to make us more like God. God could have chose any way. But God chooses love. So when you look at yourself in this video, maybe you see or you feel the parts that you're ashamed of or that you just wish weren't true. Maybe you see parts of yourself that you just can't control or change. Can you receive the powerful and tender love of God for you in your wholeness that includes all of that stuff that we just don't really like and includes all of your power and your strength and your wisdom and your insight? God loves all of it. And I know this is destabilizing. It's destabilizing for me when I get a little experience of the shadow of God's love for me. It, it, it's destabilizing. But the invitation is to keep showing up, to keep asking God to show you God's love. And that layer by layer, when we're ready, it just sinks a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper. And what ends up happening is that we experience some piece of transformation, some change. Because uh, we actually have parts of us that are other, right? That we don't allow, that we say like, here's the boundary of what is okay. And I'm going to put this part of me over there, and this part of me over there, and I'm just going to kind of cut them off. And God's love invites us and welcomes us to reincorporate, to, to re, uh, reconnect those parts of who we are to our wholeness. And love is the only way that that can happen. Love is the only way that our wounds can be healed. Love is the way that gathers us in ourselves. So this is why, uh, this is why I talk about so much about knowing yourself. And I, I use the Enneagram as a tool to help with that. This is why I talk about self-awareness is that if, if when you look in this video, you see a person that God loves, then maybe we should know who that person is. Maybe that's an invitation to learn about who is, who is that one who God loves? What are they like? Both the shiny and the grimy, you know, like it's the whole thing. And we want to know, like, what are, what are the boundaries we have in ourselves to receive that love? What's my project for like keeping everything in those boundaries and ignoring everything that's outside of them? Like learn, how do I operate? What are my habits that I can bring to light? and slowly to start to work with and release a little bit. To open up those parts of ourselves that we don't love to experience God's radical embrace and love. 
And this is the journey. I mean, this is our whole lives. The invitation is to just continually work with ourselves and open ourselves to receive the transformative embrace of God's love. So that little by little, over the course of the rest of our lives, we might come to experience ourselves more in a more whole way. That we might actually come into new senses of freedom from these patterns that we have internally that are set up to protect us, that are set up to kind of keep us contained. And we might have freedom from those so that we can actually love other people more deeply and more fully. This isn't just about us. This is not like just an inside job for, for you know, only a select few. God's love is for all people. So we, we work to receive it. We open ourselves to receive it. We put ourselves in a position to receive God's love. And we stay there and we try to come back there for the rest of our lives to be continually freed and made more whole so that we can go out in the world and love other people. So we receive God's love to us so that we can pass God's love through us to the world. God's love is so, uh, so other-centered that, that we, can't, like, we can't actually fully experience it, fully uh, have it be expressed in us until it's passed on. That's what this whole idea of, of love is perfected or matured when you love others with it. In verses 11 and 12, like that, that's what this is talking about. When we actually receive the love of God, it's a beautiful thing and it's transformative and that love is perfected. It's made whole and mature as it's, as, as we learn to love other people in that same way. In the gospel of John, um, John writes that no greater love has someone than to lay down their life for their friend. And maybe, I mean, this might actually mean that you would die for another person. And maybe Maybe that means that we lay down our agendas, our projects, our plans for how we love and how we think others ought to receive love. We lay all of that down and, and we let other people show us the way of love. And we, we kind of intuitively know that, that we have to let other people teach us how to love them. Because if you're in any meaningful relationship in your life, you know that, that you have to learn, like, how does that person receive love? For, for there to be love, you know, love for you to love them. You know, if they, if they receive love by being celebrated huge on their birthday or for their accomplishments, accomplishments, and you, you don't receive love that way. And you decide, I'm going to celebrate this person by having like a quiet night in and giving them time to themselves. Like they don't receive that as love. And so it's not, it's not loving. It's a great intention, but they don't receive that as love. And so we just have to learn. And the way we learn is we, we are really bad at it and we trip and fall and stumble. And they tell us that's not, that's not loving for me. There's this other way. And we say, Oh, shoot. Okay. And we try again. This is the invitation to, to listen and learn and pay attention, observe other people to know how are they loved and to respond to that. And maybe that's what it means to lay down your life for another. That we have our projects, our agendas, the way we think things should be. And that's different from other people. 
And so when we say this is how love is and someone else says, ah, that's not really how it is for me. To love is to work to arrive at a place where we can say, I can love you in a way that you receive love because I know that God loves me just as I am. There's nothing wrong with what's going on in me. I'm just different from you. And it's loving for me to show up to you in a way that is loving for you. So if it's true that Christians see every person as their neighbor and every neighbor as someone to love, then the Christian family has got to look out at the world and listen and open ourselves to be taught how to love other people because God's love is other centered. And for it to become mature, for it to become whole, we've got to use it to love other people. It's not a scarcity thing either. There's so much to go around. We don't have to worry about running out of God's love. I mean, God, God's love is so other centered that God actually became the other, became a human to love us, to know exactly what was needed to love. Now, I know this is all, it can get really heady and philosophical, and it's really easy to stay there when you're talking about love. Like, what does this mean? And let's think about it. And let's make all these thought experiments. But one of the things First John has really emphasized is that love is not just a feeling. Love is not just an intention. Love is an action. And so I want to just ground this for us and help us stick to like what's happening in our world right now. Um, so we have seen in the last couple of years um, an increase of, uh, of the presence of injustice in the public eye. Uh, it's not that it's new in the world, but we, the public is seeing more and more of what's happening uh, to people who are oppressed, who are marginalized by the way that we are in our world. And I think, you know, if churches like ours and people like us can, can really try to stay grounded in the love of God for us, if we can stay in that place of looking at ourselves in the mirror and knowing this is the person who God loves wholly and completely with all of my faults and all of my best intentions, I am loved by God. If we can stay at that place and then turn to look at our world, to look at the people in our neighborhood and listen to people who are suffering. What are they saying about how we can love them? I think we're going to hear some really specific things. Now, some of those things are like, we should take for granted, right? Like, be kind. Don't be prejudiced against someone because of the way they look, or if they're a man or a woman, or like what their uh, gender identity is, or who they love. Like, those are, those are things that are like, yeah, you should... We should like not discriminate against people and we should be kind. Those are good. And I think that if we listen well, we will hear people say, there are ways in which our society functions that are damaging to whole groups of people that are hurting people. And I think we'll hear them say, that should change. What love is to me is a different way that is not hurting me. And so I'm hearing things like, hey, we should shift funding to provide for mental health first responders. We should shift funding to increase access to education. We should shift funding to increase access for uh, jobs. Each impacted community, each oppressed community, each community that is suffering will know what they need. And 
there's an invitation for others to just join and support their efforts to provide what they need. Friends, that is love. And loving others in a society, like in our society as a, as a whole, requires that we lay down our lives, our agendas, our way, our perspective on what's best and right and effective and good, and listen to what other people are asking for and respond. That's love. Now, I know that for many of us, this is challenging. Uh, we, we Maybe if you grew up in church, uh, or the faith system that you might have inherited uh, taught us to focus on like, how am I loving the person that I see at the grocery store or the person that I see on my walk, my day-to-day -day interactions? How am I loving my colleagues? And, and listen, I'm not saying that that doesn't matter. We shouldn't do that. I'm, that is important and welcomed. And it's not a replacement for loving people in the way that they're asking to be loved. The invitation for Christians is to listen to our world and care enough to respond and love in the way that our, the world is asking to be loved. And this, this process of like loving through a system that I'm talking about, of like loving in a big way that's maybe not just individual to individual, is like deeply biblical. There's all kinds of ex examples of how this happens uh, throughout the Bible. If you look at the, the Old Testament scriptures of all these laws, it's the part of the Bible that like, we like to skip over, to be honest, because it's, it's kind of, uh, it feels a little bit boring. It's just like listing out things. But some of them say things like, hey, uh, people of God, you're, when you farm, I'm telling you, you need to leave the edge of your field unharvested because there are people who are hungry and they need food. So don't take that food, take all the rest of it, leave that because people are hungry and they need to eat and an expression of love to them is to provide food. So there it is. Maybe the biggest of all is this system of Jubilee. I'm sure if you've been around the church for a while, you've heard about this idea of Jubilee, but it's every 50 years. So this is, this is from Leviticus 25. Sanctify the 50th year, make it a holy year. Proclaim freedom all over the land to everyone who lives in it, a Jubilee for each each person will go back to their family's property and reunite with their extended family. The 50th year is, a, is your jubilee year. Now there's, more, there's some more details and descriptions of what this looks like, but if you were working off a debt, if you had lost your land because of a debt, if you had to sell part of your family's place because of a debt or you needed food, whatever it was, in the 50th year, all those debts are wiped clean and you return home. That is a system of love. That's like built into the way the society operates. So uh, for Christians, I, I just want to invite us to realize the individualistic, like me loving one other person, it is, it's good and it's not everything. But we've been taught that that's the only way. At least some of us have been taught that. And I'm inviting us to think bigger than that that we actually as Christians can love all people through the way that we make a society. Now this is big work and it's hard work, but we gotta remember that the love of God is others centered. So from wherever you're sitting in, social, in society, whatever social location you have, we all have a mix of identities that are at various levels of privilege or 
uh, marginalization, wherever we're coming from, the invitation is to love other people. What can we do to love other people? I think we have to listen. I think we have to pay attention. I think we have to respond in ways that people are, other people are saying, this is how I receive love. Don't wake me up at six in the morning to take me out for my birthday. I don't like that. I want to sleep in. That's how I receive love. That's a small, like silly way, right? There are much bigger things happening that we can listen well and respond to how other people are asking to be loved. And from that, from this place of receiving God's love to me, to you, as a whole person, that continual lifelong journey to receive the love of God in ourselves, to move through our barriers into this, some greater freedom, we actually, uh, we actually are freed from this sense of like, am I going to get it right? Am I going to get it wrong? This like paralyzing fear. Because the reality is like, we're going to mess up. We're going to love someone and they're going to say, that's not how I receive love. We're going to try to craft the system in a way that loves all people. And some people are going to say, that, that doesn't work for us. And the hope is that we can be in that moment of being told, no, that's not working. We can be connected to the love of God for us, for me. And no, you know what? If my aim is really to love that other person, then my only response right now is, is humility to say, man, that's not what I wanted to happen. I, I didn't want you to not receive love. And I'm bummed. And I won't do that anymore. And I'm going to work hard to listen and pay attention and care so that I can learn to love you or another group of people in the way that they receive love. So we can be free from the fear of like, I'm going to get it wrong. Cause it's not about if we get it wrong. It's not about if I get it wrong. All it's about is can that, am I loving this other person? And so we can be free from, from the grip of fear, whatever that fear is for us. If it's getting it right or wrong, if it's looking a certain way, you know, if it's being a good person, there's all kinds of things we can be afraid of, but, but when we're rooted in the love of God for you, you can be free. Be open to love others in the way that they receive love. So friends, I, I want you to hear these words. Look in your screen again. See yourself. See all of your story. Everything you have access to right now in yourself. This is the one that God loves with a never-ending, all-powerful love. Receive it as much as you can for the rest of your life. And as you grow into more wholeness, as you receive it more deeply, go free from any kind of paralyzing fear Go and be free from any demanding that other people be just like you. And listen well to the world around you to love people how they receive love. Let's pray. God of love, this is so easy to talk about and so, so hard to do. Would you open us, would you teach us to pay attention to ourselves, to know our own boundaries inside of us where we don't want to receive love, where we can't receive love and help us, God. Meet us there. 
invite us to receive you more and more. And as we do, God, turn us out to our world. Send us out to our world in deep humility to listen, to be taught how to love this place, to be taught how to love these people who are here now, people who you have given us to love. Give us the humility, God, and give us the courage that we might go and love like you love. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Adam. So friends, we've come to the time of communion together. Um, and I invite you during this time to go gather whatever you need to, if that's um, bread or something to drink, or if you want to um, just sit and prepare yourself. Uh, I invite you to do that too. Wherever you feel you are on your faith journey right now, the invitation that you're being called to, if that's gathering something for this time or just sitting and saying a deep, here I am, I invite you to do that um, with me. So often when I come to communion, I gather whatever I can find in my house um, for bread and some juice for drink. Uh, but today, what I have is actual matzah that my husband and I made together for um, this past Easter. Um, so we made it together. It's a very unique experience making this together um, because it, I, I didn't really believe that so few ingredients could make something that you eat. <laughs> I, I didn't have faith that flour, water, some salt, some oil, I think that was about it. Um, and you mix them together and, and you have to make it quickly. And, and it's so very dry and so very plain. And the question that arises as we hold and make and eat this matzah is, is it enough? That is the question that we focused on while we were, um, while we were learning about this. And there's a phrase um, in Hebrew that we learned that is dayenu which means it is enough. And, and as we would sample this bread, we'd say dayenu. And I feel like John's passage, this passage today, really, I ask that question, you know, is it enough? When I hear these simple words of John, uh, God is love. Anyone who loves is born of God. And perfect love casts out fear. Is that enough? That question comes to me as I'm listening to those and, and deeper questions of, I know you love me, God, and you are love, but is that enough for me? And am I enough? And as I hear those questions, I also see Christ picking up this bread in the meal in communion. And when he picked up the bread, he picked up that question for me. Are you enough? And Jesus is God, and God is love, and Jesus is that perfect love. So when I hear him say, this is my body, he speaks a word I need to hear, which is dayenu. 